It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. Parlor, Gab, the president being suspended from almost every mainstream social media entity, and finally prevented from engaging in his favorite addiction of all, tweeting. Tonight, a deafening silence from the president's Twitter account in his waning days as commander-in-chief. Twitter, run by CEO Jack Dorsey, saying after close review of the president's recent tweets, it banned him due to the risk of further incitement of violence. Besides the horn Kunan shaman and the disgusting violence on Capitol Hill last week, it's been a hell of a week for social media. Motherboard EIC, Jason Kebler, and I break it all down for you on today's episode. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. So, Jason, besides the fact that there was well, uh, an insurrection, coup, whatever you want to call it, that happened, pretty, pretty unprecedented, I'd say, in modern times, it's also been a really wild week for social media, and not just because our president was kicked off of Twitter, one of the biggest, most uh, important information highways in the entire world. But it's been a big week for far-right Twitter as well, and, and, and basically right-wing social media. Yeah, I, I guess I just want to preface this with, like, it's been a really, really busy week for me and for you, too, uh, and busy weekend. And, like, the insurrection or the riots or the coup attempt or whatever you want to call it happened last Wednesday, um, but the fallout of it is obviously still happening now. Um, and so over the weekend, we saw Parler get deplatformed. We saw Twitter ban Trump. We saw Facebook ban Trump. We saw Amazon Web Services do some stuff. We saw Salesforce do some stuff. It's like, there's just like a lot going on right now. And so just like, this is not the best way necessarily of, uh, talking about how much is going on, but just for listeners' perspective, it's like usually Motherboard publishes between like eight and 10 stories a day. It's like Monday, we published 16 today. I think today we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, We've published like 12 so far, and I feel like I've barely had a chance to like look up before something else happens. So by the time you're listening to this, like everything might be different, but also it might be the same. Uh, And a lot of the stuff happening is very cybery and very motherboardy so i'm excited to talk to you ben yes i mean it's go it's everything from people forensically looking on twitter and on different sites like parlor to determine who was who was a part of the coup i know that we have people doing that on our end of things at vice but then also it's it's looking at things like parlor which for users or sorry for readers for readers kato cut this for listeners who don't know what it is, it's sort of this far-right, right-wing Twitter version that came up sometime in 2020, and it was endorsed by politicians as well as some far-right entities like neo-Nazi terror groups, and also by just, you know, your alt-right trolls and, and supporters of Trump. And since some of these bans, it became quite popular among, the, among that political contingent. And since... It's been deplatformed by just about everyone. Yeah. So, um, where should we start? Like, I, I feel like the Twitter Trump ban is really like the biggest thing since that was uh, obviously 
Trump's favorite social media platform and really his like megaphone to the world. It's like yeah, a lot of the day's events were often. Um, let's start there. Like Trump would tweet something. Yeah, Trump would for a long time, like years, Trump would tweet like a bunch of random shit at like six in the morning. And then that would be what people talked about all day, every day. And at President Trump's late night tweets making headlines again. A few minutes after midnight, the president tweeted, despite the constant negative press cough fief. <laughs> <laughs> Since then, the message has been retweeted more than 120,000 uh, times. 123,000. Well, it's, it's ticking up. <laughs> there we go. Liked more than 150,000 times, making it Trump's most popular tweet in months. That happened for his entire presidency, and that is no longer happening right now. Like, as we're recording this, Trump is giving a speech in Texas, and uh, I didn't know that that was going to happen until it happened. And I feel like if Trump were on Twitter still, probably there would he would have tweeted a lot of the things that he said at at this uh, this rally along the border. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think it's a big deal that Twitter banned Trump. I think it took a really long time. But but what do you make of it? Well, I think, you know, in many ways, it's you know, I used to always hear from people like people of color, trans people who would get some of the most insane death threats and, and wild things said to them. And, you know, nothing would happen to the people who they went after or, or Twitter wouldn't come out and protect them. But as soon as stuff was said against Trump, things would go down. So it was sort of this double standard that always existed on Twitter. It also gave this ridiculous platform to the president to just spout off constant misinformation, which is, you know, that's not even just a, a political hot take. That's just factual, which was so important, I think, across his presidency. And now when you look at this massive mob of people that actually believe that this election was stolen, even though every single possible authority or source will tell you otherwise, it, I mean, I don't think we can understate how much of a difference this has made. Because like, even personally, I don't know what Trump is thinking day to day on anymore in the last few days because the fact that he can't just go on Twitter and say it. I mean, the fact that today he had to go out and, and say in a, in a speech that he, he, you know, an actual public appearance that he didn't say anything wrong and his actions were completely appropriate leading up to the mob violence that, that occurred last Wednesday is pretty stunning, you know, and it kind of shows you the power that he had using, using Twitter that has been completely taken from him. Right, and I right. wonder if that's if that if that's going to affect sort of you know now you're looking at Republicans are saying it's okay to impeach him or if you want to or at least the uh, House con congressional Republicans. I mean, it's like this is crazy. Yeah, I mean, you have the. I mean, he's still president. He's still in charge of our nuclear weapons. Like we had an article on this uh, this week where yes, Trump is like undeniably still in charge of our nuclear weapons, but you have a. a a situation where he basically like has been cut off from his followers in a really big way. Like he's unable to talk directly to his follows uh, on Twitter and his friends on Facebook. Uh, he is also, we've reported this week, been sort of like censored, censured as well. Hard to say um, which because Salesforce is very vague, but basically like in the lead up to the election, the Donald Trump campaign used this email address, uh, which was contact at victory.donaldtrump.com or something like this. And he was sending between 10 and 14 emails a day 
to an email list of at least 20 million people. And these emails were extremely inflammatory. It was often like, you know, Democrats are going to steal the election, so you need to donate to me. Um, And then in the days after the election, it was Democrats did steal the election and we need to make it right. And you need to donate to me so that we can uh, file all these legal challenges. So uh, from November 3rd until January 6th, which was, you know, just the period immediately after the election until the time of the insurrection, uh, he the Trump campaign sent 570 emails, something like that. Wow. And the last, yeah, so the last email was sent 30 minutes before the Capitol was breached. Uh, he sent an email saying, we have the truth. Today will be a historic day in our nation's history. Congress will either certify or object to the election results. Every single patriot from across the country must step up right now if we're going to successfully defend the integrity of this election. President Trump is calling on you to bolster our official Defend America Fund. And mere moments later, I mean, he had just given this big rally uh, on the mall, but moments later, like after this email was sent, you had a mob descending and breaking and breaching into the Capitol. And since then, the the Trump campaign has sent zero emails. And so that was really suspicious because it's like he was sending between five and 13 emails a day. And suddenly they've been uh, silent for like five days. So it's either the Trump campaign and the people around him are really worried that they did something illegal by like inciting this violence in part through this email campaign or their email provider cut them. And (laughs) so we were able to... Uh, see the internet infrastructure that was being used to send these emails. And we traced it to a company that was bought by Salesforce a few years ago. We talked to Salesforce and it's like, yeah, we took action to prevent further violence. And so they didn't say that they banned Trump outright, but it seems like they're moderating his emails in some way. And as a result of that, they haven't sent any emails. So it's like, Trump can't tweet. Trump can't post on Facebook. Trump can't email his 20 million subscribers on his email list he also hasn't sent out any texts on his text list like so i mean this is a very real challenge for him at this point it's like he's only the president for another eight or ten days but at the same time it's one it's a period that's very dangerous and one in which if today's speech was anything to take take away from this it's like he's still mad you know it's not like he saw this happen and was like oh I'm bad now and like I shouldn't uh I shouldn't I should just like bow to to Joe Biden like that's not what's happening. No, and I think the other thing too it's important that you're 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 describing really accurately is that you know deplatforming does work. When you deplatform someone from you know the most important information highways on the internet, it severely like upends their ability to influence massive, you know, contingents of the population. And for him right now, like, I, I can't, I, this is only just a feeling, but, you know, as journalists, we have decent feelings and decent reads in this situation. And like, you can sense a tide is turning against him right now. And it's not just in, you know, woke circles or, or among the left. It's, it seems like, you know, looking at the way that House Republicans have re- reacted to this and some of the, the messaging out of that, you know that there's some internal polling going on, like, this is bad. This is not good. And he's kind of He's he's on the ropes in a way that I think he never has been, dare I say it. And it just kind of shows you that in 
you know, 2021, you really do need to be a part of these, this information architecture that's controlled, I mean, in part by Silicon Valley. And, you know, there's, there's important questions to be asked about that as well, but this is really coming all into focus all at once. And it's, it, it, it I mean, as a reporter who's been on this sort of beat for a long time, and I'm sure you're the same, is like, has anything, has so much shit happened in like one week? <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, at the same time, and it's like, God, it's, it's, we don't, we can't get into it in this podcast, but it's like the coronavirus epidemic is, is worse than ever. Yeah. And like, yeah. it, it's kind of a, a side story. So anyway, I, I, let's talk like briefly about, I mean, were the social media platforms right to do this? And like, I mean, you have a lot of people on the right, the the sort of like free speech, like Facebook is censoring conservative sides saying that Facebook and Twitter and Amazon and Google and Apple have way too much power and like they shouldn't be able to do this. At the same time, you have a bunch of people saying that they should have done this a year ago or two years ago or four years ago. So like, I guess, where do you come down on it? It's obviously a nuanced conversation and, and people have their opinions, but I'm curious, like, what, what do you make of this sort of wave of, of bands that have been incoming? Well, I think, you know, our, the motherboard reporting on all of this has been extremely well nuanced and extremely, you know, dare I say it, very intelligent. Some of the most, some of the best reporting on this, I think, on both issues uh, that has gone on in the last, you know, six years. Because I think on the one hand, we do have a, a healthy distrust of, of government institutions having too much power and Silicon Valley having way too much power, which is why that it was a bipartisan effort to have a conversation in the summer and fall about whether or not big tech should get broken up. Is Amazon, Google, or Apple, or all the above, are they monopolies that should be broken up? And I think that, you know, they do have a few people have tremendous amounts of power in Silicon Valley. And that's a real, that's a real thing. On the other hand, like, as a national security reporter who looks at terrorism, who looks at domestic terrorism and public safety, what Trump was doing very evidently and factually created a massive public safety question. And now I think a massive national security problem that the FBI you know, confirms is an issue, a major issue, DHS, and even CIA, everyone thinks this. It's this, this whole thing that's been opened up on the far right is a major issue. We're having FBI put out advisories that, you know, on the 17th, state capitals need to watch out and need to need to be guarded correctly nationwide. Like this is, that's, that's a big deal, you know? So there's a lot to unravel here, but I think, you know, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B because, you know, he really was using this to create violence and criminal activity and it fomented and it ended up with, you know, five people losing their lives in the, in a matter of what six hours, and that's really for something that was that was done in the name of something that wasn't true is real. Like that's it's gonna be a major issue facing the country going forward because don't forget this this was thousands of people, and those were the only those were only the ones who were able to get to D.C. Yeah, so we have written a lot and reported a lot about social media moderation, and I think that the. I think my issue, there are a couple issues with it that I have. I think that 
Facebook and Twitter were right to ban Trump. I think they probably should have banned Trump a long time ago. Um, but at, at the same time, I think that the way that they did it was it was an emergency. It was in response to an emergency, mm -hmm. basically. So you totally. have um, what you have is social media companies who have refused to draw a line in the sand and say, like, this is our red line. And if it's stepped over, we are going to ban you. Um, we've seen for four years, longer than that, five or six years in the, in the lead up to, you know, Trump running for president and ev eventually becoming president. We've seen him repeatedly break Twitter's rules and Twitter has repeatedly moved the goalposts or said, you know, the rules don't necessarily apply to the sitting president. We've seen Donald Trump incite violence before. Uh, with the Black Lives Matter protests, we've seen him spread coronavirus misinformation, uh, all of which is against Facebook's rules and Twitter's rules. I think that these platforms need to have rules. Uh, I think that they should be clear about the rules, and I think that they should enforce the rules. And a lot of our reporting has focused on the fact that there are so many users of Facebook and so many users of Twitter that it's impossible to stop every like rule breaker on your platform because there are simply too many people uh, and doing so is just like an impossible job. That said, Donald Trump is one person. Uh, he has repeatedly broken the rules and he is the most important person, the most powerful person in the world, maybe not the most important, but the most powerful person in the world. So there's no excuse for not, for being like, oh, well, we didn't see that or we decided you know, it, we left it up for like four hours and then decided to take action on it. This is this says to me that like Facebook and Twitter didn't have a good plan for dealing with Donald Trump, that they sort of like moved the goalposts a million times. And eventually and only after people died and fucking you had like people with Viking horns and fur pelts taking pictures at the die dais. I don't know what it's called. The big giant yeah. podium in the big the like throne thing yeah like only then was the line actually crossed and then like twitter in its explanation for why it banned trump like it said that he he broke some rules at with his tweets when he came back to twitter and like the rules that he broke were like i mean it, it's like a ref in a, a football game where they like it's a makeup call essentially it's like the tweets that he did after he came back were like way less bad than the tweets that he did yeah. earlier in the day or like a week ago or a month ago or I actually, a year ago. I actually did think that I was like, yeah, they weren't like that bad, but I guess it was like a zero tolerance policy at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's all to say that like, I think that these social media companies, they, they clearly are extremely powerful. Uh, there's also the argument that they are private companies so they can do whatever they want which is sort of true, but at the same time, there's a lot of academics who studied uh, sort of how Facebook and Twitter operate, and they operate in much the same way as a government would operate. Uh, they also claim to want to adhere to First Amendment values, and at the same time, it's like, functionally, these companies are, like, public. Are, are I mean, they're like, this is how people communicate now, and so there is on some level, like there is at least a first amendment and a, a free speech argument to be made about like mm -hmm. how they should be policing political speech. And so that's just to say that I don't think it's as cut and dry as like 
you can just say they're private companies, they can do whatever they want. They yeah. are private companies yeah. and they can do whatever they want, but at the same time, it's a very simplistic argument. Uh, I, which is all to say that like I think they handled this pretty poorly overall. Yeah, yeah I think they did. And I think like that's the thing. It's like there's always been a question on how much power these companies have. It's been like a mark, a marquee of our reporting is to look at them and you have to look at them and be analytical and critical of, of their vast amounts of power. And I think right now we're both seeing their vast power and and how important it is for them to act and have, you know, the public safety in mind. And it, nothing has been more obvious, I think, in that entire conversation surrounding big, big tech like this. So we'll see where it goes. I mean, and on that note, I think just quickly to discuss Parler and Gab, like these are, these are sort of these right-wing alternatives that have, that have popped up, you know, Parler being somewhere that people thought initially Trump may land as a, as a spot for, for his new tweets or new, how do you, I don't know if it's parlor or like parleys, like I don't know what they are. Uh, I'm calling it parlor, man. I've heard people say parlay, but I think it's parlor. <laughs> yeah, it's parlor. Well, it's, it means talk in French, right? Which is like, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, and I think like these, I mean, it's being completely deplatformed right now. I know it kind of registered its domain name and registrar with a classic far right safe haven web host called Epic. We'll see what happens with that. You look at something like Gab, it's sort of a similar thing. And, but I don't think, the reason I don't think these are going to catch on is A, you know, actual studies have shown that people don't really want to go on sites where everyone has the same opinion. They want to interact and get mad at each other. And that's what drives user usage. And two, they're just not that cool. And, you know, all the other <laughs> platforms has everyone else. So I, I think for Trump right now, I'd, if he gets impeached and actually gets impeached, I don't know what his avenue back to redemption would be, but I mean, yeah, I mean, who I, knows? I think it's a, uh, the parlors discussion and, and gab to a lesser extent. I think parlor more important because parlor has been deplatformed, has been taken offline. It's like you have the social media companies, but then with parlor you have, they have essentially lost access to the infrastructure of the internet, which is Amazon web service services. Yep. Uh, you know, cut off their contract with Parler. As Facebook and Twitter banned users for supporting the violent mobs at the U.S. Capitol last week, including President Donald Trump himself, downloads surged for a less restrictive social media app called Parler. But in an effort to prevent further riot organizing, Google and Apple booted Parler from their app stores and Amazon shut off its web services. Now, with an Internet ecosystem dominated by a few big players, the Parler app has little chance of survival without access to these mainstream channels. And of course, there are other web hosts, but at the same time, like Amazon owns so much of the infrastructure of the internet at this yeah. point, where it's like, I think Tim Marchman, who is our features editor, um, made the analogy that it's like, you know, Facebook and Google or Facebook and, and Twitter are like throwing someone out of a bar. Whereas if you ban someone from Amazon Web Services, you're like saying that they don't have the right to walk on the street essentially because yeah, it's like exactly because facebook and and twitter like use i don't know if they specifically use amazon web services twitter does use, twitter does you, yeah i mean so basically everyone at this point uses amazon web services uh google cloud or microsoft azure or like one of a handful of others but those are like the kind of 
big ones. <laughs> and so, I mean, the issue is like, what do we do when some when something is like thrown off the internet entirely? And in Parler's case, I mean, this is something I wanted to talk about in this podcast too. It's like Amazon Web Services announced that it was throwing out Parler, but then you have these archivists who went and downloaded all of the data. Like they scraped all of the data from every post that had ever been made on Parler. Yeah. And so And you can geo you, you can geolocate it to people on Capitol Hill on Wednesday and the posts that they were making. Right. Right. So you now have all these uh, you know, open source intelligence people who are trying to identify who on Parler was at the uh the insurrection and they are then trying to uh identify them and send them to the FBI or, or you know send information about them to the FBI, which is very interesting and like raises a lot of other questions about doxing and blah 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 like a lot of stuff but it's like this was uh this is just like a major thing that's happening right now amid amid like the actual crimes that happened you now have the internet investigators on it and that's why uh that's why i'm probably not making a ton of sense in this podcast because i've been just like editing blogs all day every day for like 6 days because yeah. the the stuff coming out it's just been like complete chaos at all at all times yeah and i don't think this is going to be the last time we're going to have this conversation about the infrastructure of the internet and social media and what this fallout is going to be for president trump for however long maury's president trump in whatever method he is yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it's like the second, I mean, we talked about this last week, or maybe you talked about this, or I talked about it somewhere, but it's like these people live stream themselves storming the Capitol and then bragged about it on social media. And one of the places they bragged about it was on Parler. And so now you have uh, a lot of evidence in like these crimes is going to be associated with what people posted on Parler, which is something that Amazon tried to delete off the face of the internet, uh, but was saved in a very like heroic effort, but also somewhat like inaccessible way by a handful of, you know, archivists who, who have no association with law enforcement or anything like that. And so I don't know, it's, it's just like a very interesting time. And I think that, uh, like we're, we're talking now on Tuesday, I have no idea what the situation will be on Thursday. Like there's, more uh, violence planned. You've obviously been following this, and I guess we might be talking about that next week. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we don't see anything more like what we saw last week. But uh, things are moving fast at the moment. Things are moving fast. Well, Jason, thank you for coming on the old pod. Cool. Thank you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
Lorenzo. You did a very, uh, you did a very, a very viral story. And before, before I say anything about it, I just want to be clear. There's no problems with Vice HR here because I'm going to quote directly from your story. And it's the, the actual headline says, your cock is mine now. And it's about hackers. And I got to tell you, it's one of the stories that you think to yourself, you're like, you know what? This story is going to go viral and people are going to freak the fuck out for it. Yeah. So, so this is the story of a few people who bought a Chinese made um, penis cage or chastity cage. Uh, so it is what you probably are imagining it is. It's a device that wraps around your penis and prevents you from having erections and uh, the idea there, and it's internet connected. Like it wraps around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and the idea there is that it it is internet connected. It's an Internet of Things, and and the idea is that you oh can give control God. of your you know your penis to uh, a lover on the other side of the world or someone who's uh, yeah someone connected to the internet. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the problem here was that the manufacturers did not secure the device and the connections to the device. So researchers in October found that it was uh, easily hackable, and they also had a lot of trouble contacting the manufacturer to report the problem. So it appears that after the researchers revealed this vulnerability, some some entrepreneur hacker thought, well, this is my opportunity to make some bucks. And they they locked the devices of a bunch of victims and reached out to them and say, hey, I have control over your device which, by the way, is called Cellmate, which I found pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> and so the hacker said, yeah, I have control of your Cellmate. Uh, give me money or, you know, I will not, or I will never unlock it. And uh, I was able to speak to a few victims thanks to a security researcher who put me in touch. Um, and yeah, this happened. And uh, luckily, the two victims I spoke with had did not have the device on when it happened. So it was not a big deal for them. But after we published the story... Uh, and I'm trying to follow up with this guy, uh, another victim reached out and said that actually he had it on uh, and he had to get like a device, sort of like a saw, like a seesaw to get it out and injured, injured himself in the process and wasn't what? able to have sex for a month. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is uh, it's a pretty sad story, actually. Uh, Look, I don't want to kink shame, but this is like, it's really hard for me not to be super immature about this story yeah because it's so stupid it's like, come on guys like do it you know do it in real life this is don't trust this uh, sketchy company uh, the internal things is is a shit show just you know and this is literally one of your most you know most sensitive things that you could put on under the control of an internal of things device um <laughs> it's also like why like this is the this is the kind of shit where i'm like you know what people humanity the human race I think we've gone too far on this technology thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we need this thing to exist. Like, I just don't. I think you could just not put also, that on the internet. Like, there's things there's things we can not put on the internet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know when some people say, like, they, they come up with the idea of, like, smart shirts or whatever. And I'm like, or, like, interactive tattoos. And I'm just like, you know what? No. I'm no, I'm done with that. That's we've gone too far. Yeah, perhaps don't put don't put your penis on the internet. And also like if you're making devices like this, maybe put a failsafe, you know, like a physical failsafe that if something goes wrong, you can still unlock it. It's just it's just 
common sense. Like, this is dangerous. Yeah, you know? exactly. Anyway. Like, I don't know. I just, anyway, this is the story in between all the Nazi shit I've had to report on lately. This was a real moment of levity for me that I enjoyed. Um, and I know, and I also know, I also, I just want everyone to know who's listening to this that I could literally see your little shit eating Italian grin as you typed this story out in your home. I know you were just. I was very excited about little, the that, especially. That little Lorenzo, that little Lorenzo. I, I know I could see it in my mind right now. Yeah, I was really excited about the headline. As soon as I saw that quote, I was like, all right, that's it. That's the headline. Probably the best headline <laughs> I'll ever publish, to be honest. I I think so. I think probably. All right. Well, moving on to a more serious story involving Salesforce. I'm going to let you take it away on this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a good story from Jason and Joseph. Uh, they found, uh, I think J- Jason is subscribed, subscribed to a Donald Trump campaign email. Um, and he noticed at some point that uh, the flurry of emails stopped. So usually as, uh, as they write in the story, there would be like at least five, six, sometimes even 10 emails a day asking for for funds, you know, complaining about the election they lost, etc. And Jason noticed that on January 6th, uh, after the, you know, the storming of the Capitol and the riot there, uh, the emails stopped and uh, he wondered what's going on. So he reached out to Salesforce, which is the owner of the email marketing firm that manages uh, the Donald Trump campaign emails. Uh, this company is called Exact Target, and and they asked uh, Jason and Joseph asked what what's going on here, and the uh, Salesforce said, yeah, we stopped, uh, you know, we basically stopped the service because we didn't want to uh, allow Donald Trump to incite violence any longer on our using our services. So so yeah, another this is yet another service that uh, dumps Trump. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of them lately, and you don't know this, but uh, that's the episode that uh, precedes this little cipher. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's it's basically the story in in tech this week, I think, and it's uh, definitely worth worth looking into. And it also is going to provoke a lot of conversations about what, like how how online speech really looks like in the future, uh, whether we like it or not. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this all pans out. But in the meantime. Let's go to our favorite topic of all. Let's go back to it. Cue the music. So our, our, our intrepid young reporter, Samir, did this. He's also done a few UFO stories lately, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, he's been on a UFO. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. So basically, the, the, yeah, the CIA is going to be releasing hundreds of public PDFs that contain some of its secrets on UFOs. And there's some interesting stuff in there. Yeah, the CIA has released a bunch of PDFs all in, um, you know, on a website called uh, Pretty uh, Appropriately, um, actually, I just Black Vault, the Black Vault. Um, there's like more than 10,000 Freedom of Information reports. Uh, and it was all curated by a guy called John Greenwald Jr., who was very excited about this. Um and yeah, there's a if you're a UFO enthusiast, there's a lot of there to dig into, a lot of a lot of stuff to read. And I can just imagine someone, you know, someone looking like Fox Mulder in some basement, throwing pencils to the ceiling 
and just poring over this document. So yeah, good news if you're into UFOs. <laughs> very good news. Very good news. And also, there was that ridiculous, I mean, not ridiculous, kind of crazy ass story that there was a UFO spotted in Hawaii in like, I want to say New Year's Eve, like a blue light. And there was videos of it. And it was, it was kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if the aliens were like, all right, let's let's check out what if 2020 let's actually make a is a on shit this show. now finally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a little too little too little too late aliens. You could always beam me up at some point or give me the vaccine. Maybe if come, you have the vaccine. Yeah, maybe come give me the Yeah, exactly. If if aliens are you know what? This is the first time I think aliens don't exist. I got to tell you. Because if they did and they weren't benevolent, they would just come down and super vaccinate us all, wouldn't they? Yeah, what what are you or, doing? Or or, or it is a military conspiracy, an intergalactic military conspiracy against us. And they're just waiting for us to die off and hit us when we're weakest. That's very coward of the coward of them, you know, just. Yeah, it's very cowardly. Come at us, you know, we're not afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Also, UFOs, if you're listening, come at me, bro. Come to cy- <laughs> Come on cyber. We would like to ask you some questions. <laughs> yeah, come on cyber. That would be the, that would be the ultimate podcast guest that might top Edward Snowden. Yeah, I would say A so. A live alien. <laughs> All right. Bye, Lorenzo. Thanks, Ben. Talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.